Yes, I think uh, you, you might have come across my work by my Instagram, which I just started early last year. I just, um, um, you know, have I find demoscopy photos of skin cancers um, beautiful, and I thought I'd share that with my colleagues. Um, and while I thought that my the people who would be interested would be Australian GPs, I find actually they're not that interested that interested because they see so many themselves but a big audience who's been following me are actually international doctors especially international dermatologists hello and welcome to another episode of be an awesome gp positive conversations in general practice today i am very excited to be sitting down with dr john o'brien a specialist general practitioner who has done a lot of extra training in skin cancer medicine and surgery. John was born in Budroom, raised in Toowoomba, and attended the University of Queensland. He's the owner of Body Scan Skin Cancer Clinic, performs skin checks, as well as surgical management of skin cancers, including flaps and grafts when required. Outside of the consult room, he teaches medical students, volunteers as a helpline panelist for Doctors Health Queensland, and has featured as a guest speaker at charity events. John has numerous publications and is a peer reviewer for the Australian Journal of General Practice. John, welcome to the show, mate. Thank you, Dr. Timms, for the um, comprehensive introduction. And um, I felt honoured to be invited to appear on your podcast. Well, I was actually really excited to get you on. I, I've obviously only met you on Instagram, but what I see on Instagram of your work is you know, I, I consider that I offer a very high quality skin cancer medicine service at my practice, but I look at some of the stuff you do and sometimes I just think, gee, how can you reach higher? Like the sort of stuff you're removing and delivering high quality excisions and skin cancer medicine to patients is just amazing. Um, I'd love That's to get not... into that. I'd love to get into business ownership. I'd love to yeah. talk about generational change in medicine, but why don't you give me give me an idea of what your average day is and tell me a bit about the skin cancer clinic first. Uh, so presently I'm, as a GP, I'm only offering skin cancer services in a dedicated skin cancer clinic. So, um, you know, I usually have 15 minute appointments for skin checks and can perform biopsies as needed during in that 15 minutes and prescribe treatments as required. And then, um, you know, you up results and then booking excisions um, into the future. Um, this clinic I've bought in Budrum on the Sunshine Coast is small. We've just got two consult rooms, and so the nurse and I work between the two rooms. I'm working on my own at the moment, so it's actually a, a lonely venture. You don't get to sit in the staff room mm. and um, bounce off other doctors. So I, f I found myself wandering down the street to the general practice and saying <laughs> hello to other people. Um, and yes, I think uh, you, you might have come across my work by my Instagram, which I just started early last year. I just, um, um, you know, have I find demoscopy photos of skin cancers um, beautiful, and I thought I'd share that with my colleagues. Um, and while I thought that my the people who would be interested would be Australian GPs, I find actually they're not that interested that interested because they see so many themselves, but a big audience who's been following me are actually international doctors, especially international dermatologists, because they've just never seen this many skin cancers before in other countries. Wow, so that, I hadn't considered that. I assumed that it was mostly Aussie doctors following you, but 
it makes so much more sense that countries where a BCC is not plumb normal for a consultation would be following your channel. I want to talk about business ownership, if that's okay, because you mentioned you've got this new clinic. Uh, we're part of a similar generation. I just found out we're the same age. Uh, there is generational change in medicine. Appetite for business ownership is mixed, and a lot of doctors want to own their own clinic, do things their own way, not necessarily uh, the old way, but a lot of doctors are nervous about business ownership as well. So just talk to me about that. Uh, when I fell out as a GP four years ago, I thought to myself, I never want to be a practice owner, too hard. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of skills we've never been taught and probably you don't uh, make any extra money out of doing it above what you'd do just seeing patients with the time you'd spend running a practice. I was working for a, a corporate skin cancer clinic and over time I just found myself dissatisfied in that I couldn't make changes and um, you know make positive changes to the clinic and look after the staff and train the staff, get new equipment um, and change policies and procedures. So I, I just realised that I would have to branch out on my own eventually in order to um, put myself in a position where I can have independence and control and look after my staff and create my own brand. So I hunted around. I actually visited most skin cancer clinics on the Sunshine Coast to see what was out there and who the competitors were. And I was aware of a little skin cancer clinic in Budrum that had a um, doctor wanting to retire mm. and it was fully advertised and have a website and I thought it'd be a great opportunity to go in and vamp up, um, revamp the clinic, create a new brand and establish myself somewhere also close to home and close to schools where we want to send our children which as you were saying it's important for our generation to consider long-term what will keep us happy and minimise travel and maximise time at home with family. Because I think that's what I've, like I'm not a clinic owner, I'm a contractor, but the people I've talked to about business ownership, they're not necessarily doing it for the money because it's a hard game, um, general practice, in terms of making a clinic uh, highly financially viable. But they do want to do it for their why. And Simon Sinek talks a lot about finding your why, finding your just cause and uh, what gets you up and excited every day. And we all, well, most of our younger generation do want to be able to see our kids. We want to have a, a thriving family life as well as a thriving work life. And part of that why is having control and running a clinic the way you want to. Tell me a bit about skin cancer medicine in Australia. Tell me a bit about some of the things you're doing. So you do flaps and graphs at your clinic. Yes, I am. Um... I mean, majority of skin cancers should be treated surgically in terms of an excision. And 95% of the time, it's an ellipse. And I firmly believe all Australian GPs should be very comfortable doing an elliptical excision of a skin cancer on most parts of the body. Um, I, when I was working as a rural GP, I just was forced to learn skin cancer medicine and surgery because... A lot of the farming patients had a high load of skin cancers and weren't willing to go anywhere else to have treatment. So that was my motivation to um, develop a special That's a very in common story. Cancer. Same thing happened to me at Port Macquarie and Kempsey. Yeah. And, you know, the old patients, you know, they don't 
they really value convenience and not having to mm. be referred off elsewhere. Um, and patients are very supportive to be managed by a GP. And we know that GPs excise 80% of all skin cancers in Australia. So we're looking after the majority of the bulk. And you now we aim to catch everything early where it can be treated easily before skin cancers go on to require complex excisions, um, you know, anaesthetic, radiation, adjuvantly, etc. Okay. So tell me a bit, if you had to pass on any advice for someone opening their own clinic or thinking about opening their own clinic, whether it's a skin cancer clinic or a general practice service, do you have any tips, any advice you'd want to pass on? I'll start by saying I've only been a practice owner for three months now, so I don't have a wealth mm -hmm. of experience. I, um, I, I realised that you don't need a, a, you know, an MBA or a business degree to be a business owner. And what I've gone, gone through, any small business owner goes through in terms of um, you know, the legalities behind, behind a business. Um, I luckily found a fantastic accountant who um, looks after everything, including bookkeeping, payroll. The accountant actually did the valuation on the practice, so I came up with a figure that I could approach for the purchase of the business. Um, it's, um, as I said, it's a bit of a lonely venture. Some people prefer to do it in partnership or to buy into a practice with existing owners, which is probably a little less daunting. Um, but, you know, there's pros and cons of sharing the ownership with someone else. And I think, you, again, you got to, as, as you mentioned earlier, you've got to consider well, why do you want to be an owner? Is it to attempt to make more money or is it the why behind it and your satisfaction? And for me, it was the why. Um, you know, my, my staff are extremely happy and I feel that they'll be with me long term. Um, and, again, that's a lovely change from corporate medicine where there is a rapid change over receptionist nurses which is frustrating when you always have new people on the job learning. And again, I've got my own brand now and building my own rapport. And you know, the guiding principle for me is that patients value that you are interested in them, you're friendly, you're thorough, and you um, communicate well. That's 95% of what makes you a good doctor. Mm. I think 5% mm. is only the how much do you know, how skillful are you? Yeah, that, that absolutely resonates with me. People will, they'll always remember how you treated them. They won't necessarily yeah. remember how you treated them in terms of medication, but they'll yeah. remember how you treated them as a person. Uh, you talked a bit about, you know, for those new clinic owners, getting someone in professional to do a, a an EBITDA or an assessment of uh, earnings before interest tax depreciation and amortization. That's always useful. Um, that's well outside my scope. And this is, uh, you know, I can't offer financial advice on that. I think receptionist turnover is a big problem in general practice. I certainly have noted clinics do struggle to keep receptionists. Re you know, medical receptionist is a very hard job. It is a job where they are required to make decisions about triaging patients without necessarily a huge medical background. And they're dealing with people who have all the complexity of someone who's sick and unwell, but not necessarily someone who's respecting them as much as a doctor. And I'd be very curious how you keep your receptionists. Like, what are your strategies? Well, when I recruited my staff, because I, when I took over the clinic 
and expanded the hours, I needed more staff. So just from the outset, when I interviewed them, I clearly explained what my vision was for the clinic and um, you know, explained that they would be a valued member and that I would communicate with them and do everything to make them happy and to always ask for their input onto what changes to make and include them in the process and they feel like they're part of the journey um, and a valued and essential part of the business and every day I always ask how they're going I thank them um, I always see um, if they have any concerns or they've had difficult patient interactions and I think um, job satisfaction key things are usually is you know feeling that you're being valued and you're making a difference and feeling that you're being heard and that your team is looking after you and cares for you. Okay. Let's switch gears for a moment. So I noticed you have some experience working with doctors, um, working with Doctors Health Queensland, is that right? That's right. And I'm actually on call over the Christmas week. Ah, good on For anyone in Queensland who needs to call up. So you're looking after your own business, you're looking after some toddlers and you're looking after the health of your colleagues. What can't you That's do, mate? Ah, heaps of things. I'm a really bad handyman, so I'm notorious for breaking things when I try and fix them with a drill or a hammer. So I, I leave that to more talented people. So how did you get into uh, working with Doctors, Doctors Health Queensland? Tell me about that. Well, I've got a long history of being involved in volunteerism, especially during university. I used to run the, the volunteer club for University of Queensland. And then when I've gone into work as a doctor, I wasn't doing any volunteer work for years and I certainly feel bad and have a social conscience. So, um, you know, I didn't have the time to go, you know, spend a day a week doing some hands-on volunteer job, but the Doctors Health Queensland gig was attractive to me in that you just, um, you know, you might take a couple of phone calls a day from doctors in distress and um, they, these callers are usually medical students or junior doctors um, facing stress, burnout, um, maybe formal depression or anxiety disorders and they just really value having a colleague to speak to. And, you know, while I'm a younger doctor and not full of decades of experience, I think the younger callers appreciate having a younger doctor to talk to and find me more relatable. And, you know, it's... Um, can be confronting. Some some callers are in a lot of distress and um, distressed when they speak to me. Uh, but it's nice to give back. And as a GP, we're a jack of all trades, and we do have mental health training. And you know we're appropriate to be on the helpline panel for Doctors Health, which exists in all states actually. Yeah, and for anyone who does need to reach out this Christmas period, the number is 1300 374 377 or 1300 DRS for DRS uh, 24 7. That's a great service that's available. So, on top of doing that, you also find time to do publications. So, I'm, I'm not sure where you fit the time in, but uh, I saw an article you published this year on ulcers, and uh, you're a peer reviewer. Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, that all came from 
um, working as a GP and you come across these incredibly interesting cases that you've never heard of before and you know that your colleagues have never heard of. So um, you want to share your learning experience with that case and um, help other Australian GPs um, prime their brains for that case in case it ever wanders into their consult room. And um, I think, unfortunately, publication historically isn't um, done frequently in general practice, except um, I think there's probably a good move in the recent maybe two decades for GPs to be publishing and for there to be professors of general practice now. Um, I think one of the reasons why is that most GPs work as private contractors, so it's not like we're part of a public health system where we're obliged to undertake educational activities. Um, and I think it's present. so important. Yeah. Like when they write these reports, like Health of the Nation, when they write reports that they submit to the government, it's all based on evidence that is largely undertaken in general practice. And if we're not doing the research, we can't put forward a compelling argument for healthcare reform. So GPs do have to be involved in academic research. We have a an incentive to do so because it keeps us evidence-based in terms of why we're an excellent part of the healthcare system. Um, yeah. Doing a PhD is stressful. My boss just finished her PhD and it's a big investment of time. Research is a big investment of time, but there are benefits. Uh, what would you, what, what is on the horizon for you research-wise? Is there anything you're looking at or are you just uh, looking for opportunistic cases at this stage? Still opportunistic cases. I um, would like to undertake a research article. Um, I've just myself and colleagues have submitted a review article on skin cancer prevention, which we are submitting to the Australian Journal of General Practice. Um, Love it. And you know, it's mostly just a personal reward to have publications. However, it's a great thing to have in your resume and for any activities you might undertake in future. It's always a desired component um, to be a published doctor. So I think I can hear your toddlers in the background, so I won't keep you too long, John. Uh, you are a family man, you're a family doctor, and that's always a great combination. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Are there any parting words you'd like to leave us with? Yes, um, I think um, value your happiness highly um, and make changes in your career to keep yourself satisfied and don't don't put money on the pedestal yeah. and, but if you're enjoying your work you'll do well and you'll be successful and be rewarded for it well it has been an absolute pleasure having a chat to all our, all our listeners out there uh, you can find john on instagram at skin cancer doctor I believe is the tag and very good of you to grab that tag. I can't believe that wasn't taken. This was an episode of Be an Awesome GP. If you've loved it, if you're interested in hearing more, we'd love for you to describe, give us a rating. It really does help promote the show and promote our message of encouraging general practice, encouraging med students to go into general practice and for keeping our doctors healthy. You are an awesome GP. Now get out there and practice. Be an Awesome GP is targeted at general practitioners in the Australian context. It should not be taken as formal medical advice and you should consult your own clinician for any medical matters. Opinions are those of the presenter or guests and do not necessarily represent any organisations.